0: Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest Dion Kayler is a writer, photographer, musician, business owner, avid road tripper, blogger, and mom to Sam the Wonder Pup. Soon she'll be adding Podcaster to her list with the podcast Life on the Highwire. Life is short, don't wait. You can find Dion at DionKer.com. Tian, welcome to Women Who Sarcast, and congrats on creating Life on the High Wire podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Kath. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So, Life on the High Wire. Life is short. Don't wait. Which is Life is short. Don't wait. Is kind of your motto, right? You kind of live that way.
1: It is. Yeah, I um, I had a <laughs> people. I had a sort of a near death experience uh, in 2005. Oh. And yeah, and um, I almost died and so I got out of that and then after I recovered from that I sort of adopted that that motto Because life is short and I realized it really hard then so yeah, I
0: I can only imagine and that was a blog that you had many years ago Yep, and then you had a blog called gone scamping Yes So how did you come up with the idea of these blogs?
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really, I feel like I just want to share what I'm interested in generally. So if I'm working through something or researching something or, you know, on some kind of an educational path for myself, um, which usually involves invent adventure, which was gone scamping was all about adventuring on the road in the U S um, I generally want to share it with other people and figure out if anyone else is interested in this. And, and for my experience has been generally people are interested. There's some people out there that are interested So, um, yeah, so I just, you know, life on the high wire. I was, I was thinking a lot about how to live a life that's bold and interesting and impactful. And I just started writing about what I was doing and learning and people started sort of chiming in and, and then gone scamping. I, that started because I bought a scamp, which blisters don't know. The scamp is an adorable travel trailer. It's a fiberglass. It's so cute. Her name is Sadie. Yeah, her name was Sadie, and Sadie the Scamp. Oh gosh, we scamped all over. Sam and I scamped all over the U.S. And uh, I am a photographer, so I was also sharing photographs from the trips and um, and sort of just stories from my travels. And I and there were <laughs> I had one whole category in the blog called um, mishaps <laughs> because there were so many mishaps along the way, and people sort of loved those the most, which was you know kind of funny.
0: So, Gone Scamping, I think your, one of your goals for the blog was to visit all of the U.S. national parks. Yes. So, how many did you visit? I visited about 135.
1: Um, I think there are about 415 now. Because, hmm. you know, they, they keep adding n- national historical sites and monuments and whatnot.
0: Um, but, yeah, I think I got to about 135. So, did you have a favorite park or experience? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I people ask
1: me what my favorite national park is and it's so cheesy, but I have to say the grand Canyon because it's just, I, every time I see it, I, it takes my breath away. I gasp, literally gasp. And I actually backpacked down to the, um, the base of the grand Canyon. And that was an amazing experience. Spent a couple nights down there, and that was just incredible experience. And that mishap was because I, I sprained my ankle the night before we were hiking
0: in. <laughs> you have pictures to prove it, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, was just, my my ankle was like twice as big as normal, so <laughs> I just slipped. I was yeah, I was I was. This is how dumb I was. I was doing a warm up hike. <laughs> that was not a good idea people. That was not. I don't recommend this. I was doing a warm-up hike before we backpacked down into the Grand Canyon. Right. And I hit scree and my body shot out into the air and I landed on my ankle and it slow. I mean it was just twice as big. It was horrible, horribly painful. And anyway, the long story short is that so I called the I called the guy that we were backpacking with and I said, "This just happened. What do I do?" And I I already spent the money. You know, right. I paid the money for- trip. And I was like, God damn it. I'm like, I'm going on this trip. And the guy's like, you're a little crazy to say that. I'm like, no, really? Come on. Tell me how I can do this. So it was, it was like massive, like bottles of Advil hey. and yeah, no, I know, and yeah. My kidneys, that's probably why I have kidney disease. But anyway, um, bottles of Advil and, um, I had luckily, you know, we all, he recommended everyone have trekking poles. <laughs> so I had my trekking poles, which was effectively were like crushes. So I managed to <laughs> backpack down this foot and um I mean with that said I actually had an amazing trip still I mean and yeah. um because again I was I was I would you know I was I was there I was like I'd made arrangements for Sam to stay somewhere else I was tra- I had trained for this thing and I was like no I'm going i god damn it I'm going you know and so I did and I'm glad I did it was amazing so
0: it's awesome. mishap well, mishap category <laughs> well the you I'm sure you learned a lot of what not to do Yes. So, what? And this question probably is already answered from your story, but what are three things you took away from that journey while you were gone scamping and going through the national parks?
1: Yeah, I think let's just you know go with that. Is that um, even when seemingly terrible things happen, um, they usually turn out fine. You know, I mean, everything. I, I got, I've been lost on trails at dusk. I got attacked by a killer bee. I mean, Holy I just, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, I have all these stories of stuff that happened. I've, you know, I've run into super creepy guys out there. Like, I mean, we were scamping once and I woke up next to, you know, I, I was in a parking lot for the night because it was free and there it was. And I woke up and looked out the window and there was a giant prison bus next oh, to me. They sh- <laughs> camped overnight with all the prisoners. Like, what? Is that legal?
0: Bus. How can they do that? I don't know. But it was, it was. um What state was that in? never going there
1: yeah it was uh that was my it was um Halloween at um the Tucumcari Flying J truck stop Tucumcari. so yeah so I would say the takeaway is is you know weird scary painful things can happen and really it's true you know you, afterwards you just go well I got a story out of it I mean you know it's it's fine and um also actually and to to go along with that too is I've, I've definitely learned that I mean, generally, people are so nice and so helpful. Like, mm-hmm. I've had so much unsolicited help on the road from men and women. Um, I mean, it's just extraordinary. Like, people are generally really helpful and really kind. And that was a, that's been a really nice lesson to take in.
0: Yeah, I, that's good to know. I mean, the, um, I interviewed Petra, who walked from, walked across America from California to New York. And she said the same thing. She I mean, did. it just helps validate that that's not a fluke, you know, that it actually does happen and things that you see yeah. in the news or whatever is just that. It's just hype and trying to scare people. Fear-mongering.
1: It's fear-mongering. Yeah. I'm glad she said that because I'm not surprised. Because, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, I travel, I do travel, you know, with Sam, certainly, which helps even though he's a big sweetheart, but he is a 60 pound dog. So I think people are probably less inclined to mess with me when mm-hmm. they see that I have this dog. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. as, as solo women travelers. Of course. I mean, this is, you know, it's a really big concern to think about safety and, you know, what do you do in a tough situation? Right. And I'm sure Petra is super savvy and super like, I'm, I'm guessing she totally relies on her intuition in mm-hmm. situations. Um, and you know, Kath, we've lived in cities, you become a big city girl, you know, you just really know how to pick up on when things are bad, you get out of that situation. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly plenty of situations like that on the road where things were dicey. Um, but I got myself out and, um, you know, nothing
0: really, really bad happened.
1: I would say to anybody, you don't have to have a partner or a friend to go with. I mean, just go, if you've got the urge, you know, get out there.
0: Yeah, I went on a 2-week road trip to Canada by myself and I was scared shitless. I mean, I was excited and scared and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had never gone on vacation by myself, period. And then I right. decided to go on a 2-week road trip up Oregon through Port Angeles to Victoria and then round to Tofino and then back over to Vancouver and then back down to Seattle, Portland to home again, and it was like the best vacation I've ever had. Wow.
1: But, and what a beautiful, I mean, God, that's a beautiful part of the continent. It's oh, just yeah. Really... it's gorgeous. And yeah. the people were
0: great. The food was great. Yeah. I never felt scared that something was going to happen to me. Um, I think yeah. initially I think I had anxiety over what if something happens to me. But once I got over that, you know, self-induced anxiety, <laughs> then yeah. it was great. I had a blast.
1: Well, that's awesome because I think I know a lot of, um, people, I mean, not even just women, but I know a lot of people who think the idea of vacationing solo is terrifying. I mean, they just, they can't imagine. And I'm, I'm, you know, I swing, as you know, the other way, I'm kind of extremely in love with not being with people.
0: Right. <laughs> so, I
1: you mean, take I introvert to a whole
0: I, other level. <laughs> yeah.
1: to a whole other level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I so I know I'm 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 odd in that regard, but um but I do know a lot of people. I mean I'm 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 really proud of you for doing that because a lot of people, you know, would not even think about going. They'd be like, I'll get bored, I'll be scared, I'll, you know, how am I going to entertain myself? Blah blah blah. And you're saying it was the best trip you've ever had, and I just think that's a great testimonial for solo travel. I mean I you know, bravo.
0: So you have these, these blogs that you've done. So what are some tips that you can give to people who are interested in starting a blog?
1: On the technical side, I'm a big fan of WordPress. Um, I think they're really easy to set up and maintain. And, you know, you can even get a free one if you want to. Um, I think it's a great way to kind of inch your way out on the blogging gangplank, um, is to start with a free one and just, you know, start putting posts up. And I think I think, you know, my example, um, anyone's example, I think, is just figure out what you're interested in and what you want to talk about with other people. And there's almost assured you have an audience of there's someone out there who also wants to talk about, you know, knitting sweaters for pug dogs or whatever it is that you're into. um, You're going to find other people that are into it too. And, like, I I have a friend who um, built her – she's amazing. She built her own packed mud – house like a rammed earth house oh cool and i know it's really cool um and she did this which is just astonishing to me and so she was blogging about it while she was doing this and of course all of these people came out of the woodwork and they're like hey you know and they wanted to learn about it and they wanted to do their own thing and she had this whole she built this whole beautiful community hmm. of people who were really interested in this thing that she was this eco-friendly thing that she was doing so I, I would say just go you know with what you're interested in don't please 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 don't sit there and go okay well what's gonna Get me the most hits. What's gonna rank the highest, you know, on Google? Like, don't go that route because you're not the first. You're you're like the millionth person to think that way, and it's impossible anyway. So just go with what you're interested in and be. I mean, again, this seems obvious to me, but I would say to anybody: be yourself. Like, be be your weird ass, interesting, you know, self. And especially if you're not a professional writer, just write in your natural voice. I mean please spell check and please know how to use grammar. (laughs) So we're not just like throwing things at the screen when we're reading your blog, but, um, but you know, but just write, write how you talk. Definitely include photos. People, even if they're just photos with your phone, you know, we love to look at photos that go along with the blog post Mm -hmm. and you're probably reading someone else's blogs, you know, people's blogs. So you'll kind of see how they're doing it. Um, but I would just say go, go after what you're interested in. Um, again, be your weird, cool self and, um, you're going to find other people out there who want to talk about this stuff with you.
0: Right. And I, I don't know, I think for me, for blogs, it's like our attention span is getting shorter and shorter. And I think that having a dissertation as a blog post is not a good idea. (laughs) Keep it short and simple think- and to the <laughs> point. Add as many pictures as you want.
1: That's right, lots of photos
0: because pictures say a thousand words that you don't have to write. So <laughs> they do, they do. Yeah, and um,
1: yeah, and I mean, invite comments. You know what I mean? Like encourage the conversation. It becomes, you know, it's it's just a really fun thing. And um, I, uh, you know, I'm excited to kind of re get back to my own blog and kind of reinvent that because I had to take a big break because of, you know, family stuff and personal stuff. But that's kind of transitioning and here I am and I'm ready to, to get back into it. You know, it's just a great way to um, foster community.
0: So when did you discover your creativity and when did it become a large part of your life?
1: Yeah, I do a few things creatively. So the first one, my first love was music and I uh, was singing from when I was a little, little kid, little girl all the places at home on stage when I can get on stage and school like, you know, and I was in the chorus and I was in the little performances and, um, went on and, and I did that, um, pretty devotedly. And, um, So it wasn't really so much a discovery. It was just that's what I wanted to do. And that was what I was compelled to do. But I also drew when I was like, I was really went through this whole phase where I was like constantly drawing everything like I'd be, you know, I'm an only child. And so I'd be sitting there in a room and like drawing people. I think I was probably creeping people out because I was drawing everybody. (laughs) And I was drawing objects and I would try to draw my hand and I was like really into it. I, I didn't really discover writing in a serious way until I was in my 20s, um, I had a terrible college experience. And so even though I loved English class and I loved literature class, I didn't ever think that I could write. Like that just wasn't something that was on the radar. I knew I was a good, pretty good singer. I had a, an eating disorder for 10 years. So I had an eating disorder from when I was 15 to when I was 25. So that was a, that was a rough thing. And um, so uh, I don't know, I was reading some magazine and that's back when you read paper magazines and that's back when paper magazines had like ads in the back. And I was reading some kind of literary magazine, and in the back they had all these kind of classified ads, and there was this little ad um, by this woman who I'd never heard of, and it said she was looking for personal essay about women and eating. And I thought, well, I'm a woman, and I know about eating, so I'm gonna write something and submit it. I wrote an essay about my eating disorder and getting over it, and it was kind of actually humorous. It wasn't like all dreary and horrible. It was sort of humorous, but it's kind of a family story, a personal story. And anyway, sure enough, it was accepted and it was published in this anthology um, by a wonderful writer and editor named Leslia Newman. And it was published and I was completely floored. I had no idea that it would be published. And that was really the moment where I discovered um, that I could write for an audience. Hmm. So they did, we did reading. It was a blast. I fell in love with the whole process of it. And then I just kind of went crazy. Then I was like, okay, and I was living in San Francisco and I was reading this really great local paper about women in business. And I was really interested in women in business. And so I um, emailed, cold emailed the editor of the paper. And I said, Hey, I read your paper. Um, If you ever need freelancers, you know, let me know. I had no credits. (laughs) Nothing. You know, Uh my one little published essay, all cocky about it. I was like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna do this. And so I didn't hear from her, of course, you know, she's like, crickets. Seriously, like six weeks later, I got an email. It was a Saturday morning. I got an email and it was from the editor. And she said, Hey, I got your email a little while ago. There's an interview this morning in Berkeley in an hour. My writer can't come and do the interview. Can you come to Berkeley in an hour and interview this woman for the cover story of my paper? And I was like, Sure, I can do that. I had no idea what I was doing. I was (laughs) totally terrified. I was like, Do I even, like, how do I, do I have a recorder? Like, how do I do this? (laughs) Right. I did it. And that was the beginning of a long relationship with her. And I ended up being a feature writer. And then she gave me one column. And then she gave me a second column. Photography is the third thing I do. And that I took photographs in high school pretty intensely, but I didn't pick up photography again until um, about five years ago. Right. And that was kind of the same story is I was taking photos in New Mexico, which is where I was living at the time. And um, a photographer, this guy that I sort of knew, saw some of them and said, you know, you're pretty good. Um, You should think about like entering a contest or something. I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. So I saw, you know, again, God bless the media. I saw some ad for the AAA travel photography right. contest. Nice. Once again, story of my life. I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. I can answer that. So I, I had a photograph that I really liked. And I black and white. And I submitted it. And sure enough, I took third place in the contest. It was Congratulations. In a magazine. Thank you. I'm working on I'm starting to work on a book, a photography book um with photographs and text and um and again getting this podcast going to talk about all those things about creativity and life on the high wire and pushing yourself and living a bold creative life
0: that sounds awesome all of that and it kind of leads me into the question of because you talked about how it change how it changes through the years How has your process of expressing your creativity evolved or changed as you've gotten older has it been easier, harder? I don't think it ever gets easy.
1: Um, I think coming up with a an interesting idea never gets easier. You just have to allow yourself the space and the quiet to let it all bubble up mm-hmm. and that I, I think I do think that one thing that's changed. I think the one thing that's changed is that now in my life, in my career um I've learned I'm much more willing to say no to a lot of other stuff to say yes to that process mm-hmm. because you cannot be saying yes to everything. And then, you know, five minutes every day, like plugging into your, your creative muse and hoping something great's going to happen. Cause it's gonna be really hard for that to happen. Right. So, but you have to give stuff up. You have to give things up. You cannot do every single thing. And I think I wasn't as good when I was younger about that. I think I, I, tried to do every single thing. And I think I shortchanged myself and my art, actually. Hmm. Um, I look back, I mean, regret is such a waste, you know, such a senseless emotion. Mm-hmm. But I do look back with some regret, because I think, God, if I if I would have, you know, been able to set more boundaries, if I would have been clearer about how important that work was, I think I would have given it more time and more energy, but, um, I mean, it worked, you know, it's worked out, obviously. I mean, I'm still creating and that's the most important thing. So, but now I definitely think better about owning the value of it for myself. I mean, not even for anyone else, but just for myself, like this is really central to who I am is making art. And, um, I wasn't as good as that when I was younger. So, um, that has changed for the better.
0: So when do you know when to end a project and begin a new project? Is there like Mm. some kind of crossover? Is it like, I mean, I think it depends on the project, obviously. I mean, if something's not working, you're just going to cut the cord and move on to something else. But I mean, is there any kind of like blending?
1: That's a really good question. I think a lot of artists struggle with that one. Um, And I think it's different for each medium because of course, you know, with like with music that has changed because back in the day when I was really doing a lot of, you know, I was mostly a professional musician. That's mostly what I did. Uh, it was about making an album, which was a CD at that point, which is really funny to say that now, but that's what the goal was at that point. And so you knew you wrote a whole bunch of songs and then you went to the studio and, you know, you, so there was a process and you kind of knew when you had enough good songs that you could hopefully then string together in some sort of way that made sense mm-hmm. on a CD. <laughs> and then you knew, you know, you were done, even though then it comes out and you go, oh, crap, I, I, I was I completely would have done that song differently or I would have not included that song or I would have included, you know what I mean? You always, yeah, but that's yeah. everyone.
0: Does. And that was the band boss, right? You're talking about, that I mean, you had boss. other stuff, but the album that you have out B H O S S, yes. you can actually find them on YouTube for those interested in hearing how awesome Dion sounds.
1: thank you um yeah boss is is still out there for sure and we put out the one record called trust me so music now for sure is um you know now it's really all about singles of course i mean people are still thank goodness doing albums Mm -hmm. you know but you know such a singles um thing now everyone wants to listen to just the one song and but that's still you know it's, it's still got a beginning and an end point you still know like okay you've got the song as good as it can get that you're capable of right now at this moment in time. And then you put, you know, then you put it on Spotify and iTunes and then you move on to the next song or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, writing is the same writing is, um, you know, you know, the book, the, the essay, the article for the paper, whatever it is you're writing, you know, those things have endpoints. Something different is this personal photography project I'm working on. That is a little trickier. So so my, my project essentially is about absence, the idea of absence. And um, I've been obsessed with this idea for a number of years, and I've been photographing scenes that involve this idea of absence. And um, that one, I'm not really sure when that's going to end, because you just don't march out find a bunch of spots that look absent and take photos of them and include them in the project. Although that would ultimately be a book, um, a show, you know what I mean? That's going to have some kind of a container at the end of it too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just going to take a lot longer. Like this, this book that I'm working on right now, this, um, the photography project, the from Taos to Tanzania book, I've already taken all these photographs. So I have this huge number of photographs from my travels that I have to cull. Mm -hmm. And then order like a narrative and then write the narrative. I'm going to have to write the narrative that goes along with these photographs. So, but at least the photographs are all taken. So it's not like I have to, you know, go out and try to create more, generate more work.
0: And on, you know, as a thread to that, what challenges have you or do you face in regards to your creative projects? I think
1: a big challenge um, is staying motivated when you do not have an editor. A producer, a label. Um, you know, you don't have someone at the other end who isn't your your mom or your friends, right? <laughs> who that are is pushing you. for the work. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's if you don't have that, and most of us don't. I mean, you know, mo- I, you know, unless you're. I do have friends, of course, that have publishing contracts, and you know, they do have editors who are like, okay, you know, where's that manuscript? You know, um, most many of us, I shouldn't say most, many of us don't. So I think that makes it much easier to wake up in the morning and go, okay, let's see. Do I want to work on this project that's really going to you know challenge my brain and my soul? Or do I want to rearrange the kitchen cupboards? You know what I mean? It's like, it's
0: really, um, and I go for the kitchen
1: cupboards every time. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's like a constant battle. Right. So – I think that, and that leads me to say, and this is something that I haven't been very good about until relatively recently, that's where the value of sort of announcing your intention comes in. Um, Even if you just announce it to friends and family, Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's something kind of horrible about it because then of course, you know, my mother who is an amazing, amazing woman and she's like my biggest fan, but the minute I'll say to her, I'm working on X. And then, you know, a week later, she's like, so how's X going? You know, right. and I'm like, mom. um <laughs> lay, off, mom, she... lay off, mom, lay off. Exactly. Pressure is a good thing. And so as long as you've landed on a project that is the project you need to be working on, which is a different question, um, as long as you're passionate about it, as long as you have everything you need to go forward with it, I would say – Tell at least some people that this is what you're doing. Like, this is why I've been throwing this, this book title around because I'm like, no, I'm doing it. I'm finally making this book. I'm putting it together. Because then I can move on to the next book. And that's really exciting. You know, we should be generating a body of work. Like, that's whatever genre you're working in. Over your lifetime, you know, I would hope that we would all be kind of motivated to create this body of work that we can look back on and, and be proud of.
0: And I think it's hard as far as, I mean, I totally agree with you about setting an intention and telling people. But I think you really need to be careful who those people are that you tell. You do. Because that could also backfire. But I think you also need to tell people without an expectation as well. Because if you expect them to be very supportive and validating and, you know, basically yeah. push you over the cliff to do it and that doesn't happen, yeah. then, you know, you've kind of set yourself up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and that's a really important point, Kath. I mean, that's, you definitely do not want to tell people who are going to try to shut you down or shoot you down or disparage your idea. You know, that's just, that's bad. That can, cause we're, I mean, artists, creatives, we're such fragile little creatures, you know, we're just walking around like we're like an open, you know, like an open nerve an open heart, just wandering around the earl, the world. And it's, it's really, so yeah, so I agree with you. I mean, that's a really good point. Thank you for saying that, but, but also, yeah. And the expectations point is also really important. I mean, you, you, we can't, not everyone is going to love what we do. Not everyone's going to care what we're doing. Um, even if you, you know, you put out the most brilliant record in, in history, you're going to still have people that are like, meh. And you have to be prepared for that. And, you, yeah, you can't wait for people to validate you enough where you'll keep going. You've got to validate yourself. I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge as an artist.
0: Yeah, that is hard. Yep. So with that said, because we are both so wise in this category – Uh, what advice do you have for those who struggle to tap into their creativity or whose creativity kind of waxes and wanes? And I mean that, I mean, we're, we're kind of in that group of people. I think, I don't know how many people aren't, but just from your experience and what has worked and what hasn't worked for you, what, what are a couple tips that you can give to people to kind of encourage them to continue
1: That's a great question. Um, I think my number one thing actually is if I can, if I look back at my life, my professional creative life, the times when I've been most prolific, most creative have been when I've been immersed in a creative community. So when I was living in San Francisco and Oakland, I was surrounded by writers and musicians and uh, it it validated me because I saw other people that I knew doing work and it was, you know, it's a valid thing to spend your time. Like that's You can do this. And then when I was in New York going to grad school, Mm -hmm. same thing. I was surrounded by people who took writing very seriously. Like there was no question that I would be pursuing writing. They were like, of course you will. I mean, why wouldn't you? And so I think surrounding yourself with other creatives is a really, really good way to um keep up your stamina and keep up your energy and your enthusiasm. And that can be, you know, if you live in a place where they're, you know, if you live somewhere small. For example, I mean, there's certainly plenty of, like, national organizations and associations and online groups. I would totally encourage you to get involved with those folks um, and put out there what you're trying to do. Um, You know, certainly there have got to be a million Facebook groups you could get in. You know, there's so many ways to get involved in a community of people. I would say, number one, that's really, really important. Um, And um, number two, I mean, I just – just follow your interests, you know, just follow what you're curious about, follow what you're interested in. And just, even if it seems weird or, you know, if you think, Oh gosh, someone's already, you know, done this. Well, too bad. You'll do it in your own way, you know, and you'll, you'll put your own spin on it. So just stay curious and stay open. And, um, I think also, I mean, this is kind of a cliche, this is very like Julia Cameron in the artist's way, which is a great book. Um, but, but a daily practice, if you can, Um, and I don't mean you have to spend tons of time on it, but at least try to check in with yourself every day. Like just get a few quiet minutes where you can sit with your, your journal or, you know, your guitar or whatever it is that you're doing, or take your, you know, your camera out for on the weekend and just go shooting whatever you find that interests you. You just have to feed it, right? You just have to feed it regularly. And, um, that's something else actually that I've gotten a lot better about now is I didn't used to take it as seriously. And you should take your art seriously. The world the world cannot have too much creativity. So, um, you know, we need you to follow your interests and be curious and share that with us. We do.
0: That's some great advice. And I, I definitely can relate to you as far as being around community because when I went to art school, yep. you know, that was like the best couple of years that I had as far as being creative and shooting short film and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. And I I think a lot of or many artists are kind of introverts and they want to do stuff by themselves. And, um, you know, it it does take a bit of courage and energy to go out and be around complete strangers. But, you know, try to do that even though it's painful. Because, (laughs) like, I can relate. It's like... (laughs) I don't need to be around people to do this. But, right. But also don't, you know, knock yourself if you don't do the work, you know, because that's definitely oh, yeah. not going to help the process. So,
1: Right. Right. And everything counts, too. I mean, it's not like you, it only counts if you're a writer, if you sit down and work on a novel. You know what I mean? No, everything counts. I mean, you can make notes for some story idea. You can, I mean, you you can do whatever the hell you want. You can think of a character and start sort of visualizing that character. You know, I mean, it all counts. And it all will work its way into your work eventually. I mean, that's the thing. It's like your brain is amazing. Your brain's going to store all that good stuff, all that content you're coming up with. And then when you least expect it, you know, you're going to be somewhere It's going to pop back out and you go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I need right now in the, in the, at this phase in the project. So, you know, you just just keep gathering, just keep gathering stuff.
0: Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Kath, for having me. And this has been a really fascinating conversation, as always, with you. And um, I, I'll, I would love to come back and chat with you again about and, and all Sam this And Sam can
0: come, too. And Sam, can you hear him barking yeah.
1: in the back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sam says, OK, Mama, it's time.
0: you got to feed me. It's time right. for me. Right. Yeah, it's been long enough. That's right. Well, thank you, Dion, for being on Women Who Sarcast. You can find Dion at dionkaler.com, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks, Kath. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani. You can find him at MikeImbassiani.com.